All right, so here we are with part two in our series, which is commentary on the book Glimpses of a Golden Childhood by Osho. So if you'd like to, you can go back, listen to part one, but you don't really need to. That's just an orientation. So Osho was born in a little town in India called Kuchwada. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. And it was basically a small town in the middle of nowhere, which had absolutely no economy and didn't even have roads going into it. It was completely isolated. And he was born to two people, which he said were most significant to him because they loved each other. Osho's parents really loved each other. They didn't fight. They didn't nag each other. It was a true, authentic, deep, rich connection. And that is very rare when you think about parents. When you think about lovers. If we can put it most crudely, well... Women are manipulative and controlling, and men are just idiots. That's really the truth of the matter. That's really <laughs> that's really basically what mothers and fathers come down to, right? The mother nags, the mother puts pressure on it, puts on rules. Tells them what to do, whether it's the children or the, the husband. And the husband, the father, the man of the house, well, he's just an idiot. He's a buffoon. He's weak. <laughs> he's dumb. He's useless. <laughs> and that's not even to say anything of not being present not being aware, not being alert, not being engaged. And all of this is, well, this is common practice for so many families. This is common practice for many parents. This is the life many people know. This is the experience the majority of people have with family. And of course, on some level, in some way, then yes, your mum and your dad do love each other. There is a kind of love there. But what Osho emphasised, what he really knew, and what he really had was a true love between his parents. A really deep, authentic love. And they didn't have any money. They were very poor. But that didn't matter to Osho because, well, the love was there. And his father, well, his father, I mean, before we go any further, I really should say that the stories that Osho tells, it's not always exactly clear which figure 
he's referring to because he had a number of figures, adult figures in his life. So he had his father and he had his mother and they were the, the biological mother and father. But then he also had his grandmother and there was also a grandfather and there was also an uncle and then there was also a nanny. So some of these figures actually took the place of the mother figure. So his grandmother, he sometimes calls his mother. And so as he's telling these stories, he actually says this. It's probably a bit confusing to us because he's saying his mother when he really means his grandmother. And there was a time when he actually said, well, I'm going to go and live with my nana or my grandma and they will be my figures of parenting, my adult figures in life. And he made that choice for himself, right? So these figures in his life are changing and there's a number of different adult figures. And that's sort of normal in Indian culture because families live together. Families are quite big and families are a lot more closer connected than we are expected in the Western world, in the Western culture that we live in. So that's just something different. That's just something to keep in mind. So his father, well, he had a way of allowing him to do what he wants. And basically, with all the mischief that Osho got up to, it came to the point where Osho's father was sort of having interviews with multiple people per day (laughs) because of the things that Osho had done wrong, (laughs) because of the mischief that he'd called. So people were coming to complain to Osho's father about the things that he'd done. And basically, his his father always paid for it. He always did what he needed to to make it right. But he never really got Osho in trouble. And this was something that actually (laughs) his father had to figure out as the time goes on. So his father would listen to the complaints... He would pay the damages that he'd done, but he would not punish him. And that's actually something that comes up again and again in Osho's childhood. That's actually a dynamic that quite quite astonishingly plays out. It it plays out in quite quite a shocking way under many circumstances. So once we get into some of the stories, you'll see what I mean. But it's it's quite amazing to appreciate a father that does that, to appreciate someone who would just let him do what he wants. That almost never happens, right? Can you imagine a father that never gets his son in trouble, even when he has done the wrong thing? Even when he has, quite obviously, broken the rules. So, one of the ways in which it got to that point was through a number of things that happened between Osho and his father. And one of them was that his father got 
Osho a haircut. He sort of forced him into having a haircut. And Osho was very much against this. He said he didn't want a haircut. He's not going to deal with it. And if and, and if you give me a haircut, you're going to regret it. This is what Osho said to his father. And he sort of goes through with it. And then later, what happens is, Osho goes to another barber. This is after he's had his haircut. And he gets that other barber to shave his head. Now, you have to understand that in Indian culture, for a child to shave their head, it means their father has died. And at that culture, in that time, in that country, in that place, that was very well understood by everyone. These symbols, these gestures really did mean something. And Osho had to find a hairdresser or a barber or someone who would do it for him who was crazy enough for it. And he found someone who was actually addicted to drugs. I believe he was a was on crack or something. And he's sort of getting his head shaved and the guy's saying, you know, I could get in big trouble from your father for doing this. And Osho says, well, you let me deal with that. I'll take care of it. And this is, this is as a child. And then his father sees, right? And then it's this big shock. It's like, my goodness, you've shaved your head. People are going to be asking these things. People are going to be wondering what happened to your father. He's going to have to answer all these questions. And it was this very big shock. And then Osho said, you remember, I told you, if you force me to have a haircut, you will regret it. And that's the moment, well, his father realizes. There's another example of something that happens like this, which is when Osho is wearing certain clothes that his father doesn't like. He sort of dressed himself out and he doesn't approve, so he takes the clothes and he hides them. And Osho just walks around naked. He actually starts going out and just pretending like, well, nothing's wrong. He'll just be naked. And his father sort of goes after him and says, hey, what what are you doing? Don't you need your clothes? And Osho says, well, you've obviously taken them. So I'll just go around naked if I don't have clothes. And of course, this is going to cause all sorts of troubles, right? (laughs) To walk around naked, you can't get very far without a lot of people raising your eyebrows. Especially as a child, right? If you're a child, you're expected, if you're a parent, you're expected to clothe and feed your children. So, it was after these sort of incidents that Osho's father was starting to see that he he was dealing with someone else. He's dealing with someone who can't be managed or controlled or fit into the rules. There was no way that he was able to make him 
work into any sort of idea that he might have. And luckily, Osho's father was smart enough to understand this and to accept this and to realize this. And he says to him, he says, you are a tricky boy, but you have your reasons and I will, I will follow what you say because otherwise it's going to be even more trouble. Right? So his father realizes that if he causes trouble for Osho, then it's going to be even more trouble for him and everyone else and all the people around him. And it's quite amazing to think, well, how, how do you see that as a kid? How do you have that when you're only a child, right? When I was a child, it was just like, oh, I was so afraid. I was so afraid of the rules. I was so afraid of getting in trouble. Right? It's the, it's the worst thing in the world to get in trouble as a child. And it's not even the punishment. It's just that the fact that you are in trouble. Right? Some, some of the times I would get in trouble and, and there wouldn't even be a punishment. Right? It would just be like a talking to or something. But even in that, there, there's something so... Oh, so hurtful. And yet Osho was able to stand up to it. And we see that again and again in many of the stories that we'll talk about later on as well. But this story of him shaving his head and walking around naked, these two stories, these two incidents, well, they're really something. They really were the way that he could actually set the terms with his father. So, there's another story which is when he was 15 and his nanny let him go to see a prostitute. So, Osho was curious about what adults do, which is basically smoking, drinking and seeing a prostitute. And he said, well, I want to go and see what this is all about. So his nanny said, well, here's the money. You can go and do it. And he went to the prostitute and he ended up feeling sick. <laughs> he said that he was so not attracted to her that he didn't go through with it. And he couldn't even understand how the other men were sort of, you know, watching this lady dance and then being lured into her. So he wasn't attracted at all but in that that's quite amazing that first of all he had the guts to go with the intention to a prostitute and two that his nanny would let him and would just pay for it even right <laughs> that's like a totally different that that's like a whole world apart from from anything that almost anyone would ever think, right? First of all, most families don't even talk about sex, 
Most parents wouldn't even tell their kids about sex. Let alone prostitution. And even if they would talk about that, it would be strongly discouraged in so many cases, right? It would be like frowned upon. Whether whether you're religious or traditional or not, prostitution is so often frowned upon. And even if it's not frowned upon and it's tolerated, well, that's that's very different to being encouraged, right? <laughs> to be a child that's encouraged with their curiosity, well, that's that's just like it's so out of this world. And the effect, right, was so opposite to what you would think. Because as a parent, you would think, oh, I don't want my child going to a prostitute. That would ruin their their sense of sexuality. That would ruin their sense of intimacy. That would ruin their sense of morality or relationships or whatever, right? It'll ruin something. It'll traumatize them or wreck them in some way. And yet... The experience for Osho was was the opposite, right? He had that experience. He was able to find out for himself. He was actually able to go there and see and say, okay, well, this is my chance to be with a prostitute. And in that, he was able to realize, uh, like, whoa, I don't actually want to do this, right? He learnt his sense of what he wants in a relationship. He learnt something about that. And very often, prostitutes are quite ugly. They are quite unattractive. And I don't mean I don't mean unattractive in in that they don't have their own beauty as a person. It is that that that's that's hidden that's 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 not what's put forward in them right there's some there is something ugly about prostitution there's something not quite right right so that that's that's almost like where these insti- these uh these intuitions of the parents come from because there's there's something distasteful about it but f- to let a child figure out that for themselves or let a person figure that out for themselves well that's very different to having it for yourself and then trying to impress it upon them through rules or secrecy or just denying truth, which all of which then leads to social stigma or taboos. So it's a very different dynamic that's happening with Osho as he discovers things. And so many people, they get addicted to prostitutes and drinking and sex because they haven't had that thing within themselves that has been able to actually assess, well, is this a valid experience or not? Because really, if you ask yourself and you really go into that experience and you sense that experience for yourself, and you have a strong ability to really decide on the validity of an experience, then you'll find, 
most likely that, you know, it's not an experience worth repeating too many times. <laughs> and of course, everyone's different. You know, maybe you need to drink and smoke and go and see prostitutes. I'm not one to judge. But I can tell you it's very different in my culture. And it's very much something that's frowned upon. There's a lot of stigma around it. And it's very difficult to speak about prostitution and experiences that people have had with it. So, that's another story. And then, okay, so we've done the haircut story. We've done the naked story, the prostitution story. Let's see what else we've got. The last thing I'll probably add... Oh, there was, there was also gambling in that story. So it's drinking, smoking, gambling, and the prostitute. And that was all at the age of 15, something like that. So very young that he was doing these adult things. And he felt so sick about it that he didn't want to really do any of that anymore. I mean, smoking... Smoking in and of itself, right? That's a, that's another thing that is so frowned upon. I mean, we're so, we've, we've sort of categorized all those things, you know, smoking, drinking, gambling, and prostitution. We've sort of put them into their own group, but we could go into each of those individually and look at, well, what is the validity of each of those experiences? And what is the social taboos around each of those experiences, right? Because drinking alcohol in my culture is very different to smoking cigarettes, smoking in general. The the stigma and the cultural sort of understandings are different between those two things, even though they are related, they are associated in so many ways. So, the other story is that Osho's grandmother paid for his book collection. Now, now this is something that's quite, quite amazing. At, at quite a young age, Osho built a library. And just, just to think of that for a second, it's just like, wow, I wouldn't even know where to begin with that. I wouldn't even know enough books, (laughs) right? I wouldn't even know enough genres, I don't think. I mean, I could make a crack at it. I would make a start at it. And as the story goes, Osho actually took care of the books and he would get his brothers and sisters to clean them and take care of them and to really watch them and if one was missing he would know he had them in a particular order when one went missing then he would really do it and actually there's a story that one of his teachers actually took one of his books and made notes in it and Osho got really angry at him he said why have you drawn in this book you've ruined it and (laughs) he ends up forcing his 
teacher to buy it and to replace it. And it's this big thing which is like, oh, another tension between him and his dad and his dad has to get involved. And, well, of course, his dad is on Osho's side and he says, well, you have to buy a new book. And to have that much knowledge, to have that much interest in culture, to have that much awareness of intellect is really... It's really unfathomable. I mean, to make your own library and to collect that many books. It's quite obvious he had some kind of flair that was beyond normal. And not really just beyond normal. I mean, that's like such a, that's such an understatement, right? <laughs> and I believe, I mean, it's not really clear when he was making this library. I believe it happened over a number of years, but he wasn't really going to school. I mean, we're going to talk about his schooling years later on, but... He was really only doing this for himself. He was really only doing this to fuel his curiosity and to read and to learn and to study out of his own interests. And he was quite insistent on it, apparently, because he actually stole money from his parents and from his nannies, and he got caught one time, he said, I'm taking this money, and you can't stop me, because I'm going to buy books, and you must understand that I'm spending this money on books, nothing else. And when his one of his parents confronted him about this, he said, if you don't let me take this money from you, I'm going to steal the books. And I'm going to steal other things so that I can get them. So you just let me take this money. And he was that insistent on it. He was that strong on it. And once he had laid that down, then they realized, well, they have to go along with it. And what ended up happening was, well, they had a whole library. Right? He walked into their house and every wall was covered in books was tens of thousands of books, something like 150,000 books. And now the library is a staple part of Osho's house, of his resort. That's one of his things that he has. That's one of his sort of, I guess, the pillars, right? The, The pillars of his institution of his process is, well, books, culture. So those are a few stories. And we will look at a few more in the next part. So I think in the next part, we'll look at the astrologer and some things that happened to Osho when he was younger. And 
we do go back and forth, right? It's not always clear how old he was at different times, whether he was 15 or in his early 20s or younger still. And that's just the way that Osho talks, right? He doesn't talk in perfect chronological order. These are sessions where he goes back and forth and he might go by character or he might go by incident or he might recall stories again and again. So that's the way that it goes. And (laughs) I hope that's been at least something enough to pique your interest. So thanks very much. Stay tuned for the next part in the series. Make sure you subscribe so that you can stay up to date for the next piece. So thanks very much. Hope you're having a good day. And we'll be back soon with more.